Welcome to segment two of our in-depth interview with former outstanding trainer Bob Thompson, who called it quits about seven years ago. Now, Bob, one of the best mayors you had prior to Slight Chance was the Chestnut Mayor Avon Angel. You've mentioned her name already. Very lightly raced, 19 starts. She won 10 of them. She won a surround stakes. She won the Group 1 Rosemount Wines with Peter Cook in the saddle. She ran a very good fourth in a Doncaster, beaten about uh, 1.8 lengths, Peter Cook on board. And she also won a Premier Stakes at Rose Hill, ridden by the late great Noel Barker. Uh, Bob, I remember that turn of foot she had. Wasn't she quick when she let down? Unbelievable. Unbelievable, Avon Angel. She had a cruising speed. Um, you know, she she might, uh, you know, run something, be running something just a tick under, a tick under a bit over 11 mm. and could accelerate from that. Yeah. She was so good, so fast. That she actually won 10 and a half races. She dead heated her first start in a race. Oh, <laughs> did she? Yeah. 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 She dead heated for first. Uh, but by gee, she had great cruising speed and could accelerate away from cruising speed. And not many horses can do that. And she wasn't just a thousand meter horse; she won over fifteen hundred meters. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, even uh, when she she, I think she ran a place in the George Ryder. I'm not sure. Heat of the moment won the race. Well, I'm not sure whether it was the George. I think it was the George. Yes, Ryder. it was. And Heat Mick of the moment. Yeah. was on her. Yep. And I said to Mick, mate, this filly's Mate, you haven't ridden a horse like this. I said, this is like cruising speed and can accelerate. Mm. He said, oh, yeah. So <laughs> Mick proceeded to try and hold her up, mm. got into all sorts of trouble and flat. Did she run second? Yeah, I think so. I think she, I think she ran second to heat at the moment. Mm. I think that was it. And uh, Mick trying to hold her up probably cost her the race, in my opinion. But, but you, you know, she... She would fool jumps with the cruising speed and then be able to accelerate away from it. She was she was very smart, now, very Bob, smart. Why did she have only nineteen starts? Well, I can't, can't really remember that. I can't really remember why she only had that. So it was I nothing know, serious. She didn't break down. No, I don't think she did. I, I mm. down the track there. The, the Lester Derny sold half of that to Dominic Byrne. Oh yeah. And then I think there might have been a big offer from Sir Tristan Antico towards the end mm. to go. And I think at one stage she might have been the highest price race mare to go to stud or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure. Can but, I? Um, yeah, she didn't race a lot. But no. she, won, she was pretty smart. Well, Bobby, let me talk now about one of my all-time favourites. I used to love calling him in his races, and he was certainly one of your all-time favourites, Dane Wynn. By the great Dane Hill, he won 13 from 31, well over $2 million in prize money. He won five times at Group 1 level. He won the Spring Champion, the Rose Hill Guineas, the Doomben Cup, the Caulfield Stakes and the McKinnon Stakes. Now, Bob, there was a, a, an interesting sidelight to all of this uh, during Dane Wynn's racing career. One of his owners, the managing part owner, Sonny Yam, lived in Hong Kong. And he had a very good friend there, uh, a jockey by the name of Jackie Shea. 
and every now and again Sonny would insist that Jackie Shea come to Sydney to ride Danewin. Put you That's in an awkward spot. Every now and again, ten times. He rode him in ten Group One races. Did he really? <laughs> yeah. Ten, ten Group One, he rode him in. He ran second yeah. in two derbies, didn't he? The Australian Derby and the Victoria Derby. Correct, with Jackie on him. Yeah. yeah. Second in the Queen then, Elizabeth Stakes. Yeah. And I think second in an Epsom. Second in an Epsom from Twenty One Alley. Hmm. And and he ran fourth or fifth in a Cox Plate as a three-year-old and was four and five wide the whole journey. Mm. Now, he was, Jesus, what a horse. Wasn't he a great He horse. was the first horse in Australia to break two minutes for 2,000 metres. That the Rose Hill Guinness. Of Hagen all done it the next year. Mm. But, um, by God, he was, gosh, he was a good horse. Mm. He, he was probably the best horse I trained. That was my next question. Uh, yeah, no, he'd probably, he'd, not, not my favourite horse, but probably the best horse I've trained. Mm. He had that but great his record, big... His record should have been a lot better. He well, should have won two derbies in the cock plate. Yeah. Uh, Bob, just going back over those races, it wasn't so much a tactical failing on Jackie's part. I mean, tactically, he rode him okay most of the time, but you always felt he just simply didn't have the strength of Shane Dye. Oh, and you know, in fairness to Jackie, <laughs> he wasn't he wasn't a Shane Dye or a Darren Beatman. It's as simple as that. Yep, yep. You know, uh, over there they didn't get the experience to ride in staying races like 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 he was running in. That horse was running in staying races, and mm. and Jackie was a very lightweight, and he and him being a a colt or an a stallion or a mm. colt at the time, mm. he needed someone to pick him up and hit him, you know. Mm. And um, he'd he, he done a reasonably good job on him, but in fairness to the horse, he probably should have won two derbies and a, and a cop's plate. And that's my opinion anyhow. Mm. And, and if he'd have done that, Wow, my gosh, what a record he would have. What a record. He won five Group 1s as it is. Damien Oliver rode him in a couple of those, didn't he, in Melbourne? Uh, Damien, uh, in the finish, you know, in the finish, I think uh, I think John Shrek might have stepped in and Jackie rode a silly called a D-win in the flight stakes at Rowley. Mm. And he led by about 20 lengths. Yeah. And I think uh, John Shrek might have stepped in and said to Sonny, uh, Mate, I think you better leave your jockey at home. <laughs> Is that how it happened? <laughs> I think it was. Hey, Bob, but, uh, <laughs> Dane Wynn's been a quiet achiever at the stud, hasn't he? Yeah, he's, he's still alive. They sent me a video of him the other day. I think he turned 28, mm. and we've been up and seen him a couple, a couple of times. But well, what a wonderful horse. What a wonderful horse. Mm. You can lead him around the stables with a head collar on him. He was that quiet. Yeah. And, uh, but, he, yeah, he was very shy in the breeding barn. Um, you know, he would only get – he wouldn't even get 50% in foal some mm. years. So he retired. But what he had on the ground, he'd done a great job, Damien. And I think Jamie's got one of the last of them. He's got a filly called Cray Song, who Sonny owns, actually. Mm. And um, and he's won a couple of races with him, and uh, she's back in work now. Mm. But um, 
Yeah, he he has he did do a good job, Damien, for what he got on the ground. Yep. I think Max Chris Chris Lee's trained a Sydney Cup winner by Damien. Yeah. yeah. And oh, he yeah, had a very good horse in Hong Kong by Damien. And Bob, but some of his mares are doing a good job. Yes, yes. I always like to see some of the Damien blood through some of the brood mares lines that uh, Jamie buys yearlings out of. Mm. Now, Bob, about three years ago, I went to visit the very famous Hobartville Stud at Richmond, uh, purely and simply for the historical uh, background. I was very interested in that lovely old Georgian home that stands on the Mm. property, so we had a good look through the house and uh, just walked about the place and tried to imagine the way it must have been way back in the 19th century. And just as I was leaving... I saw a few mares in a paddock not far from the house and one of them was a black mare with a very conspicuous white blaze. And the lady that had been showing us around the house said, see that mare there with the white blaze? You might remember her. I said, oh, yeah. What is it? She said, slight chance. (laughs) So I couldn't help myself. I had to walk over and give her a pat and have a little talk with her. Bob, she yeah. was, what a great filly and a wonderful race mare. She won 12 from 43, 1.8 million. She won a Sires in Queensland. She won a Castle Main in Queensland. She won the Flight Stakes at Randwick, third in a Cox Plate. But the best story of all is her win in the Victorian Oaks when she led and I think everybody got a shock, but Shane couldn't do anything about it. It was a freaky thing, that win. Yeah, well, I'll tell you the story about that win. <clears throat> they start the 2,500 at Flemington right in front of the trainer's stand. Mm. She drew the outside alley 13 of 13 in those pale green colours, jet black horse, white face, white bridle. She looked fantastic. She mm. jumped out the gate and stumbled. Chain went up round her ears. Oh, yeah. And he balanced himself and balanced her. Then Julie went around the field and led and led all the way and won the VRCH. That was probably one of my greatest thrills in racing was winning a Cox Plate because I'm a bit of a traditionalist. I love the the classic races, the Oaks yep. and the Derbies. Yep. They're my favourite races. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was able to win a couple of Oaks, but I wasn't able to win any Derbies. I won mm-hmm. for second four times in Derbies. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, she came back to scale and it was so exciting. Mm. Anyhow, as Shane was unsaddling her, I looked under her back legs and she's just blood splattered all up inside her back legs. And I said, Shane, shit, you must have hit a, <laughs> an artery or something, you know. Yeah. Anyhow, I looked at her near front and she's standing in a pool of blood. Yeah. And I picked up the near front, the complete, the heel had gone, completely gone. She'd mm. taken a the heel bulb completely off. Oh, my God. When she, she stumbled out of the yeah. gate at the start. Mm. And by the time the presentation was on and she was cooling down, she could hardly walk out of the enclosure. Mm. Yeah. So, well, that tells you the whole story. What a heart. Yeah. 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 She was the only, one of the only three-year-olds, it's at the end of her three-year-old career, to have won six group ones. Mm. Slight chance. And uh, she was 
uh, real racehorse. Yeah. She won the ANSET at Rose Hill, a Group 1. Uh, she ran second in the AJC Oaks to Mahaya, and then she yep. won the Queensland Oaks, and in her very last preparation, Bob, she won the Hill Stakes, and then she put in an ordinary one in the Epsom, and I think yep. you recommended her retirement straight away. Straight away. Yep. Yep. You just knew and she, she'd had yeah, enough. She, uh, yeah, she'd had enough. She went to New Zealand to go to Sir Tristan. She wouldn't get in fault on him. Mm. She came back to Australia, and would you believe it, she got in fault to England. Mm. <laughs> and the result was what was called Salgado. Yeah. And I really appreciate uh, Hobartville start. They ended up buying her, uh, the way they've looked after her, because she's still alive, mm. and uh, they love her. Well... I gave her a pat for you too on the day. <laughs> yeah. Now, Bob, yeah. let me touch on another great horse you trained. Shogun Lodge. 58 starts, 13, 12 and 8 were his statistics, 4.6 million in prize money. Yeah. He won three Group 1s, the Queen Elizabeth, the Epsom and the George Main. But Bob... Yeah. He ran second in another 12 Group 1s. You can't get your head around it. No, no, no. It's hard to fathom. He ran second 12 times in his life, Mm. all at Group 1 level. Unheard of. It's incredible. It is. Unheard of. Incredible. And uh, he ran second in two derbies. The only two times I ran him over 2,400, he ran second in two derbies. Mm. I mean, geez, what a horse. What a horse. He was a wonderful horse. Try. Your stables at Randwick had been called Midstream Lodge, hadn't they, for many, many years, but not surprisingly you changed it to Shogun Lodge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our property here at Arcadia is called Shogun Lodge. Oh, good and on you. we have a, mon- a monument to him. You do? Yep. Oh. A little plaque in a rose garden. Good on you. Uh, I'll come and see it one day, Bob. I'll have to wait till you invite me, though. (laughs) (laughs) We are just around the corner. (laughs) Yeah. Now, Bob, what a sad day it was when he collapsed and died during the running of the Emirates Stakes at Flemington on the last day of the Melbourne Cup Carnival. I think it was some sort of internal hemorrhage, wasn't it? Yeah. Just burst his heart, that's all. Yeah. But trying... He had plenty of that. Bob, let me just rip through a few other handy ones. What about Silk Ali? He seemed to go on and on and on. He won 11 races, including a Sandown Cup at Group 2. I think he won a Kunji handicap too. He was very useful and a free-going sort of – he was the beau tourage of his era. Yeah. He was an underrated horse, Silk Ali. Well, gee, tried hard and – I think we took him to Hong Kong once. Mm. And he ran sport, I think, in a Caulfield Cup. Yeah. I think he ran a place in a Brisbane Cup. Mm. But Gussie uh, is a lovely horse, lovely horse, lovely person. I only two. Mm. I called uh, Robert, uh, I can't even think of his last name. Yeah. Who, the yeah. owner? Yeah, Robert Hastings. Yeah. He owned him, yeah. No, he, he was an under, uh, underrated, underrated horse, that horse. Um, he, you know, on today's standard, no telling what he would have done. 
He was a very good racer. He won his first start in a race mm-hmm. at um, Gosford, mm-hmm. and he was last at the turn at Gosford in a field of about 16 and bloused them. Yeah. Yeah, so Carling, Gosford was a good little race horse. I tell you, there's a horse that I thought was very, very handy and was underrated, a horse called Jim Carew. Yep. He won uh, the, the last of the Canterbury Guineas. Mm-hmm. The last of the Canterbury Guineas. He won the last Canterbury Guineas held at Canterbury, mm-hmm. of course. Yeah. Um, he was an underrated horse, too. He was a handy horse. Yeah. Jim Carew. And, Bob, one of your latter yeah. Group 1 winners was Thorn Park, uh, who won a Stradbroke, and he's gone on to do pretty good things at Stud. Done amazing things at Stud. He, he had... He had acceleration equal to Shogun Lodge. I wouldn't say better, but he was equal to Shogun Lodge. Shogun Lodge had the best acceleration of any horse I trained. Mm. But uh, Thorn Park wasn't far behind him, uh, and he actually duly won the Stradbroke and um, won the QTC Cup. I think he ran third in the 10,000 that same year, his last three starts. Mm. Done a great job at Studbury, and he died several years ago. Actually, mm-hmm. the horse, Park. But he had. But prior to that, he produced uh, some. I think Cox Plate. I think. Mm. Yeah, he was. He was a very handy horse, Thorn Park. We mentioned a magnificent earlier, horse too. Pardon? We mentioned earlier that Tommy Smith had more apprentices than most people realise. You had a few yourself, mm. uh, Aaron Kennedy. Shane Pawsey, who's still riding, Robbie yeah. Brewer, still riding, Craig yeah. Bornstein, Jamie Whitney was another one to come through your camp. Yes, uh, yeah, I did have some good apprentices um, connected to the stable. And I, I think Andrew Payne was with me for a little while too. Yes. Andrew Payne uh, mm. is a wonderful guy, great horseman. But, uh, yeah, no, I did have some apprentices, good apprentices with me. Especially Robbie. Robbie's a complete horseman. Very good horseman, Robbie Brewer. You'd still see a bit of Robbie uh, when you go to Hawkesbury. Oh, I see him a lot. Yeah, yeah. I do. I, think... I go to, uh, down top Jamie's horses, and yeah. he jumps on the odd one for Jamie now and again, which mm. is good. Bobby must be yeah. quite a horseman. I know a lot of those trainers at Hawkesbury uh, clamour for his services on occasions. Oh, he is a complete horseman. He's very good. Got great hands, great judge of pace. Well, anybody connected to my stable were good judges of pace. Mm. Was, uh, my best mate, Bill Devonport, used to make sure of that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> he'd clock them every morning and he'd let them know whether they were too fast or too slow. And that is the only way to be a judge of pace when somebody's telling you you're mm. going too fast or too slow. Mm. <laughs> and Bill made sure he told them. <laughs> Bob, you mentioned Bill Devonport. He was with you for a long, long time. He's probably the best performer you ever had in the stable. He sure was. So I did Bill, Bill kept records of uh, the track work I gave horses, what work I gave horses leading up to major races. You could go back. He had a, a, a stack of uh, little full scrap books, mm. <laughs> two foot high. Yeah. And you could go back and see what slight chance done leading up to the Anset or Shogun mm. done leading up to the George Main or whatever. Mm. This is a good reference. Yeah. Book, but yeah. no, he was a good friend, Bill. Good friend. Still is. Now, Bob, you had a great association with jockeys like Shane Dye, Grant Cooksley, Johnny Marshall, 
Darren Biedman, Peter Cook, Road Avon Angel and others. But Shane Dye was the one that, uh, with whom you probably enjoyed the most Group 1 success. What a worker. Uh, I mean, Shane Dye's work ethic was indisputable. It, it, there have been a lot of lazy jockeys over the years when it comes to track work. Shane Dye wasn't one of them. I think he loved track work. He did. He actually loved going to the track. Uh, and, and in a morning's work, Shane would, Shane would ride anywhere between 10 and 14 horses' work mm. of a morning. He'd get there early and ride Tommy's horses, and then as Tommy get towards the finish of his, I'd save my gallops, and Shane would walk then over to me and do whatever I asked him to do on, on the good horses that I trained at the time. And mm. So we had a good association with Shane, and he was a great judge. And that's why he was such a good judge, because he'd come and rode the horses. He knew he knew how they were going before he got on and raced them. But no, his work, his work ethic was unbelievable yep. from a leading jockey. He'd done all his own bookings of race rides and everything. So mm-hmm. now he was a complete professional shade. And uh, probably the best group one rider associated with me uh, I would have to say Glenn, Glenn Boss and Darren also, you know, mm-hmm. weren't far behind him. But Shane, just the best group one rider to ride for me. Seven years ago, you were embroiled in an unpleasant situation with the Australian Turf Club when you were advised that you were being relocated from the stables you'd occupied for 35 years. And, Bob, I know tensions ran high for a while, and it's a pity it had to get to that. Yeah, that's correct. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was all done the wrong way. I mean, I deserved, after 35 years in the one stable and 55 years in the industry, I deserved a little bit more credibility than what was handed to me under those conditions. And if they'd have sat me down and asked me what, what, what would the future like for Bobby Thompson, I would have told them straight out what I was intending to do because I was always, always going to retire. I was never going to keep going. Never in my wildest dreams would I have kept going. I was always going to retire, and I could have told them straight out and amicably Something could have been worked out, but uh, I can get a bit hot-headed at times. And when they sat me down in front of these three people, (laughs) the three people they sat me down in front of, I might add, (laughs) uh, and they told me that they were going to relocate me, well, (laughs) that's just like like lighting the fuse to a bomb. And I just went off, and they told them, in no uncertain terms, what I thought and what I were, my intentions were, and that was it. Yeah. And so I finished. Bob, if that meeting... But it could have been done a lot of bit, bit more diplomatic than what it was. Yeah. By the same token, yeah. if that meeting were held again tomorrow, would you do it differently? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Probably uh, I could have... Um, uh, you know, I could have helped Jamie along the way somewhere along the way. I'd have stayed there. But, uh, but uh, who knows? Who knows? Well, Bobby, knows? we'll just break now for a moment on the podcast. 
for a commercial break and we'll be back after this. The 2019 English Premier Yearling Sale will be held at Oaklands Junction in Melbourne where 786 lots have been catalogued for four days of selling between the 3rd and the 6th of March. The Premier Sale has produced some of Australia's best performers in the last year, including Group 1 winning two-year-olds written by and Seabrook, four-time Group 1 winner Santa Anna Lane and the exciting three-year-old Ring-a-Ding-Ding. The 2019 Premier Catalog is bursting with quality and features siblings to 73 stakes winners and eight Group 1 winners, including Boom Time, Shocking, Pinker Pinker and Seabrook. The sale will be held at a new look Oaklands complex, which is undergoing an $8 million refurbishment, making it one of the best auction houses in the world. The dates again, March 3rd to March 6th, and catalogues are available online at english.com.au or in hard copy for the 2019 Premier Yearling Sale. Talking to Bob Thompson, you have a tremendous interest in the progress of your son, Jamie who's training a team of horses at Hawkesbury. You spend a lot of time there, Bob. You go to the trials, you go to the races when he's got runners, and you tell me he's a thinking trainer. He studies the characteristics of his horses and he trains them accordingly. Yeah, that's correct. He treats every horse individually. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's training 15 to 16 horses, so he has the time to treat horses individually, and he's a real thinker, Jamie, um, and uh, and I love going over there. I go mainly when the horses are working fast, because I like to block them mm. for him, and uh, report back to him after they work, and and uh, then some afternoons I go over just to have a look around the stable, but I do enjoy going to the races with him and trials and things like that. And, and he's he's had a um, you know for the horses that he's handling he's done a very very good job it certainly makes me proud of him the yep. um the uh, these work ethic that he shows and and the results that he's got with the cattle that he's handling mm. I mean that I mean <laughs> it's, it's, it's easy to train winners when you've got a stable full of half million dollar horses yeah. but it's not easy when you've got a, they're stable with horses. The dearest horse in the stable cost twenty five thousand. You know, so it makes it hard. But he does a good job placing these horses, and he puts a lot of thought into it. Now you've got a few uh, part ownerships in some of those horses. Yeah, I'm fortunate enough. Um, I'm in about three or four, whatever it is, and mm. he's one of them. Uh, what's called Shadow Shadow Flight. He's won five races and. Uh, so I've been lucky there, and uh, then the latest one is uh, Red Notice, or Shadow Flight's just come back into work, and Red Notice, he's won a couple, right. and it looks like going on with it. And we've got a nice two-year-old by Stratum mm-hmm. that uh, Jamie bought at Magic Man's, and and he's been gelded, and he's, he's showing promise. He's only two. And got a nice three-year-old filly by All Too Hard, that uh, is uh, well related on the dam side, out of a good staying family, and I think she'll hit a straps in the in the autumn of this year uh, over over variable middle distance horses, Phillies mm. uh, races, and so yeah, and he's uh, got a couple of young ones that are showing promise. One by Time for War, 
so now there's plenty of room for not some more horses. I can assure you. <laughs> yeah. Now you've got a passionate interest in another kind of horsepower. For many years, you've been a devotee of vintage cars. You've bought many, you've sold many, and you've travelled thousands of miles to rallies all over Australia. What do you got in the shed yeah. at the moment? Yeah, that's correct. I've always, I've always loved cars, and and I've had vintage cars going back for oh, probably twenty years, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and what right now in the in the garage? I I only have three. Yep. I normally have about five. Mm-hmm. I've got three. I've got a a nineteen sixty two Chrysler Valiant mm-hmm. uh, S series press button automatic. It's a, it's a little bit upgraded. It has um, Kragar wheels on it, wide wheels. It's got disc brakes. It's got air conditioning. Mm. And it's got a four-barreled Edelbrock Harvey on it, but it's a it's a Concorde car. And second in the rally, I took it to South Australia mm. to the national rally for RNS Valiant, and it ran it got runner-up prize in the modified version. And mm. uh, it and I have a a 2005 uh, SL350 Mercedes Benz convertible, which I've purchased about three months ago, I suppose. Four months mm. ago, um, and I love it. I love it. It's a beautiful car. It mm. is a really beautiful car. They're all automatic, of course. Mm. Uh, the, the hard top and everything. And uh, my and I have a Mercedes Benz uh, C250, right. uh, which is my daily driver. But uh, but I've had some very nice cars. I've always been involved in cars for a long, long time. I've had some great Mercedes. I've had uh, two Pagodas. I've had uh, Jaguar Mark II 3.8 Jag, which is a gorgeous car. I had a 67 HR Holden Premier with the X2 engine in it. But mm-hmm. I keep them for about three or four years and then decide to sell them and I'll get something else. I've had a couple of Triumph Stags. So, yeah, it's a bit of fun. And I'm a member of the car clubs and I go to their outings and their rallies and it's good fun. Now, As but, I said earlier, I was always going to retire. I was never yeah. going to train racehorses. Forever. Forever. Never. Yeah. Never. Never. You're and, a pretty healthy and a very active 76-year-old, and it's hard yeah. to believe 34 years have gone by since you had a pretty nasty heart attack. So you must have changed a few things in your life after that, Bob. I seem to recall your smoking back then. Yeah, that's correct. I used to smoke a lot. That was when I was 42 years old. I was on my way to Canterbury Racecourse. Hmm. And uh, <laughs> I, I got a bit of a scare, and as soon as I got to the racecourse, I went straight to the uh, jockey's room where they got the medic there, and they ended up putting me straight into intensive care at uh, Concord Hospital, actually. Mm. And uh, and I didn't have to have any surgery or anything like that, but uh, I was warned that if I didn't change things, uh, mm. you know, I, I'd be on the short list. <laughs> so I gave up the cigars. Yeah. <laughs> Best thing you I ever did. I gave up the cigars <laughs> yeah. and took up golf. <laughs> and you love it. You'd, that's another thing <laughs> yeah. you're pretty devoted to. Yeah, yeah, I love the golf. 
and uh, and I think that helped me. And I I was I was full on in those days, but I mean, I, I worked very hard, and I was full on. I used to worry about a lot of things, mm. which trainers do. I might add. Yeah. And um, so I laid back and I took up the golf, and it gave me a bit of a break away from the uh, the uh, horses. daily mm. horses. Yeah. For, for a while and, and take your frustrations out on the golf ball. <laughs> you and Kim live yeah. on acreage at Arcadia, a lovely spot yep. on the fringe of the Hills District, and I believe you've Correct. got a small herd on adjustment there. <laughs> well, they're not on adjustment because we own them. <laughs> but they're hand there's fed. five, uh, five <laughs> X-ray sources there mm. and a Shetland pony. Yeah. And the, the Shetland pony has the run of the whole property. But um, the five horses are horses that I, several, four of them are horses I trained um, and uh, Kim wouldn't let me sell them, so they're here. Getting, uh, I mean, if there's ever such thing as an after, after life, you come back as an animal mm. with Kim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they get looked after. Yeah. Very, very Special heaven on but earth. There's a horse, there's a horse called Bo Covered, who was a, a handy horse. Yeah, and another horse I own called Gospana, won mm. a couple of distance races. Yeah, um, then the other couple. Oh, a friend of ours got a horse here that went second in a Victorian Derby, and so that's three. And the other two are just also in. Yeah, but they're nice horses. You can't Kim remember Lump. the name of the runner-up in the Victoria Derby. Presidio or something like that. Presidio. Presidio. Yeah. Presidio. David, David Payne trained it. Right. Presidio. Presidio or something yeah, like I, that. Yes, I know. Yeah, I think that's the yeah. one. Well, Bob, yeah. do you ever think about those afternoons years ago when you would ride out of Tommy Smith's place for afternoon exercise on horses like Tullock and Gunsint? Well, I've got photos here to remind me. <laughs> I've got a little photo gallery of those particular two horses, actually. Yeah. The Tullock, uh, got two rugs on him. It's the middle of winter. And I've got a big overcoat on. Mm. And then I've got another one of Gunsen. I'm leading something off him. And the horse following me is Baguette. Mm. And it's a rainy morning, rainy afternoon. And I've got a raincoat on. So they're all there to remind me. But, um, but they were they were great days, mate. Mate, they were great days working with Tommy Smith. You know, yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a great, great education for me, and it was a great background to have behind you. You know, seventeen years there. Mm. But, uh, but no, they were great days, and uh, that sort of that. I don't think that's there anymore. You know. For what I experienced, you know, certain racing's changed so much. Maybe it's for the better, maybe it's not. But, mm. but uh, whether, uh, you know, I had great days of racing and, yeah, I have great memories. Well, you rode 40 Metropolitan winners as a jockey. You trained 29 Group 1 winners as a trainer. Bob, that's a pretty good effort for a little bloke from Banksia who had to ride his bike a million miles to get on a horse's back. Yeah, 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 that's correct. Yeah, they, 
I don't think you could do those sort of things. I don't think you could have the success that I've had nowadays. Mm. You know, because I didn't have big stables behind me, uh, big money behind me, and uh, just hard work, I suppose. Yep. And a fair bit of talent. A fair, a, luck. a fair smattering a lot, of talent. A lot, a lot of luck. Well, Bob, I've been very lucky to get you on the podcast for such an extended period of time. We've had a great old chat. I've enjoyed every minute of it, and thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure, John. Pleasure. The 2019 Sydney Classic Yearling Sale will entail four days of Book One, February the 9th to the 12th, when 808 yearlings will be offered and the Highway Session, Book 2, February the 14th, which will see a further 205 youngsters go under the hammer. Wednesday the 13th of February will be a Highway Race Day at Warwick Farm, featuring two Highway Handicaps, one for country-trained horses, one for provincial-trained horses. If the winner of either Highway Race is an eligible English graduate, the winning trainer will receive a $50,000 credit voucher to spend at the highway session the following day. In recent years, the classic sale has produced horses like She Will Rain, Yankee Rose, Extreme Choice, Extra Brute, I Am A Star, Hellbent and Maid of Heaven, all distinguished Group 1 winners. Top horses just keep turning up from the Sydney Classic Yearling Sale.